Right before we get started, I just wanted to say thanks uh, for showing up. And uh, also wanted to maybe give a tiny little introduction. I'll make it uh, short today. Uh, but uh, let's see, where to start? I have a, a, a background in um, Theravada Buddhism, which is a real kind of a, a training type of Buddhism where you really train and do techniques and, and practice meditation. And that's also the, the form of meditation that's inspired most of the scientific study of Buddhism that's around today. And I practiced uh, you know, long and hard in that tradition at times and not so long and not so hard at other times uh, over the years. And uh, somehow, uh, as uh, life got more uh, sort of tied down with things, I, I moved towards a more informal type of practice. And uh, there's plenty of uh, information about that out there in the different meditation traditions. And then that even led further to something uh, I'll just call for right now uh, direct pointing or uh, just a real direct uh, expression to what's true here and now, already true. And, uh, and since then, uh, I've had a, you know, a little bit of a tussle back and forth between meditation, which you know, usually is gonna involve some kind of practice, some kind of doing. Uh, and in the doing of something, there's some kind of an idea that we wanna get something out of it and we wanna get somewhere and get to somewhere. And that's a little bit, mm, a little bit strange because you know what we really want, what we really need. Uh, I'll just say that uh, temporarily for now is already here, and it's not somewhere that we get to, and it's not something that actually even requires us to do anything. So, what is the relationship between those two things? Uh, because I'm with small groups of meditators a lot, often. Uh, meditation is not going to kind of disappear from my life, even though uh, my approach and my viewpoint might have changed. And uh, also, I love meditation, and I just naturally want to do it. Uh, so these two things, which I'll, I'll just call it direct pointing and meditation, uh, or just uh, actually just being, it's, not, it's even beyond being, it's just what is, and meditation. Uh, the relationship between these two things, a lot of times we can do something uh, with that. We can work with that. And some people just go with meditation. Some people just swear off all meditation. But because I'm always with meditators and because I meditate myself, uh, these two things are always going to be together. So uh, that's enough of an introduction for now. Those of you who've been with me for a while are, are used to this uh, kind of dialectic. And I think you'll probably see it expressed in the answers to the questions that come up uh, as well, that, uh, that there's two sides to the story. And uh, I think for now, we'll include uh, you know, both sides of those stories. We'll see how it goes, take it as it comes. And I happen to know uh, that Kelly's question right now as well uh, brings up both sides of the story. So uh, maybe we could just start right there. And uh, hopefully this is coming through because I haven't even checked the chat. I can't uh, check the chat box right now because I'm so uh, keen to answer Kelly. So uh, let's hope that this is coming out to you guys. Uh, and uh, let's let's hear what Kelly has to say. So hi, Kelly. Hey. Yeah, I'm still here. Um, 
what you said made a lot of sense to me and, and uh, um, sort of follows the arc of my own practice. Um, for anyone who's listening, the question I had to pose to Alan was about uh, experiencing restlessness in the body. And I explained to him that this has kind of been an issue more lately, but it appears sometimes in my practice. And um, often when I sit and come into the body, I will experience sensations very vividly and um, loudly. And it might be very difficult for me to stay with them for any length of time. Um, and I see sort of a pattern in my way of relating to them. The experiences or the sensations themselves are what I would call kind of garden variety. They're not painful. They might be itching or tingling or pressure or heaviness. And I'll be sensing those moving into them. And then I'll have some aversion to them. And, and it will kind of build and a thought will arise. I can't stand this. And then, of course, I'll want to move in the sitting. Uh, scratch the itch or, or adjust my posture, which, you know, as I, I explained to Alan, it's always sort of a, a Faustian bargain because, of course, the sensations are always coming and going. So a new set of sensations will arise and present the same kind of cul-de-sacking of experience. Um, and I've related to it on my own in a couple of ways, you know, moving into the sensations and then playing with the edge of tolerance, backing away, coming to the neutrality of the breath, um, also sort of moving before I sit to see if I can expend some energy that's warehoused in the body and then sort of really looking at this outside of practice, what's happening in my life that relates to restlessness. Um, I've also done some, some labeling and practiced with kind of knowing the sensation in a different way. But I'm, you know, given, given your experience, Alan, I'm, I'm keen on hearing what you what you have to say about it all. Right. Uh, so uh, one thing that I can hear in the question is that there is a lot of um, interest and investigation and energy in your practice, uh, that you're, very, you're noticing things, things are very sharp, uh, clear, uh, uh, you're awake and aware, and uh, interested in inquiring and investigating, and that's, that's great. Uh, so one of the things we could say about the restlessness uh, is that, that uh, need th these kinds of qualities of investigation and inquiry need to be balanced a little bit with uh, factors of uh, tranquility, peace, uh, stability. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's one of the things that we, you might want to look into, and uh, this will lead into the second sort of part of my answer, uh, which is maybe the, invest maybe the emphasis can be a little bit more on, on just peace, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, which might mean all kinds of things like like moving the body, um, moving away, avoiding uh, you know these these sensations, and uh, you know this doesn't might not sound this could sound counterintuitive because one of the first messages that uh, some of us get when we're practicing uh, specifically mindfulness meditation, but other kinds of uh, maybe Buddhist influenced meditations is there's a, a heavy emphasis on kind of facing up to things and a sense that we need to move through uh, these, these problems, through these issues, through these things that are uh, challenging us. And that's, uh, you know, that's worth something. 
Uh, that's definitely an approach, but it's not the only approach, and it's not necessarily the approach that we um, that we need to assume is is kind of the key to unlocking our uh, freedom uh, from these things. So there's definitely a lot of uh, along with a lot of the inquiry interest, uh, which is a really great you know, force in meditation, uh, especially for keeping up a, a practice. Along with that, there's a lot of, a lot of involvement with these sensations. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're arising and then there's a, then there's aversion to them. And then there's the, what should I, what should I do about them? I'll try this, I'll try that. And so there's just, they they've just become really important. And, uh, that's really, uh, getting a little bit more towards what my the heart of my answer to that, which is that uh, that they're they're not important, and uh, one of the things that uh, you know this value of a kind of facing up to and looking into our problems and looking into what's coming up, uh, it kind of assumes that that what's happening to us uh, is really important, and. Uh, you know, there's another, it's fine to work with that, and that would be definitely on the side of meditation. But it's also important to have in our corner the other side of things, which is about uh, free, our freedom of getting disentangled. And uh, one of the things that we can do when we notice that there's just this real, real sort of importance going into these sensations arising, uh, one of the things that we can do is, is just find uh, what can what can I do uh, right now to disentangle myself from the suffering that's and aversion that's happening right now? And one of the things uh, that you can do is let, let's face it, right? You could just get up and walk away. <laughs> you know, that's one of the things that you could do, and uh, or or you know, meditate in another way, or you know just not care about the presence or absence of these sensations yeah. uh, and, these re and this restlessness. So that's sort of the other side, the other side of meditation that I was kind of talking about is that it's just kind of a lack of concern about you know, different things that are coming up, coming, coming and going. Uh, there's something else present, uh, a peace, a tranquility, that you don't have to move through unpleasant or challenging things to arrive at. Mm -hmm. uh, that the, even this tranquility is here, even when we are agitated, even when we're restless. And uh, sort of one of the other, you know, approaches to restlessness, unpleasant sensations and unpleasant thoughts that we could have, uh, the other approach that's a little different than kind of facing into them and looking into them is uh, just recognizing that uh, they're providing a challenge for us to recognize what's present, what's not, what's not averse, uh, what's not restless while restlessness is present. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes in these really challenging moments, we can actually see that. We can see that because it's so it's so different than the agitation. It's so different than thought. And other times, it's nice to be, you know, calm, peaceful, tranquil, and we can see our inherent, uh, our inherent peace easier at those times as well, just because there's not so many distractions. 
But you can see uh, both of those things I just said uh, are very different. We can be in a, in a state of, of peace and tranquility or in a state of agitation. And either one of those states e is equally useful in noticing this peace, this tranquility that's already here. So in that sense, those things, those two things don't matter, peace or, or not peace, they don't matter either way. Uh, in the presence of either one, there's an opportunity, a chance to recognize uh, what's, what's already here. And other times, uh, you know, it might become, you know, fun to play with these averse sensations and, uh, you know, see how they change, how they dissolve when we pay attention to them and start using those, those kind of mindfulness approaches that I think you're probably using. Uh, other times it's fun to do that, but if, it, if we're doing it uh, from a sense of kind of fun, adventure, play, and not from a real strong belief that on the other side of this restlessness, on the other side of this challenge, is my reward. Uh, so I must face into it, I must get through it. Uh, you know, if it's just, just done in the spirit of play, uh, you know, you know that, that, that's a, a really good time to do something like that, to look into it, to investigate and play. So, uh, you know, you've definitely got the, the investigation, the looking, the interest side of the energy uh, going nice, nice and strong. So uh, probably just focusing on tranquility, uh, really, you know, really sinking into that. Uh, you know, maybe it's just lying, uh, lying on the floor or doing whatever to just really start sinking into that kind of tranquility. Uh, just feeling the breath, uh, feeling a pleasant breath, enjoying the breath. Uh, not feeling that uh, that a, a lot of uh, your personal stake in life is tied to this meditation practice. Uh, all these kinds of things, um, you know, just help uh, dampen down restlessness anyway. Mm. So, uh, well, I went through through a whole, a whole bunch of things. Um, you know, great. Uh, that, that was very articulate too, by the way. Uh, anyone can call in with inarticulate garbled questions are, are fine too, but that was very, you know, very clear, uh, clear observation there going on in your experience. Your, um, your answer is very helpful in, in um, identifying, I think, some of what has been perpetuating and compounding the phenomenon for me, which is I think that I have been looking for something on the other side of the restlessness, which is peace, you know, which is something that is a more stable, pleasant state. And so, okay, let me apply all these techniques to get rid of it. When in reality, you know, simultaneously arising with the restlessness is a lot of okayness, you know, a lot of okayness in the mind, a lot of okayness in the body, a lot of okayness in life too. You know, I think I think I always like to take the practice off the cushion to the extent that I, I have some reflection on um, what am I, how is what I'm doing in the sitting sort of a mirror to how I'm relating to experience in daily life. And I, I think there's a corollary there too. So that was very helpful, very helpful uh, response for me. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, thanks for your question. Uh, that's a, 
uh, an auspicious first question for our, our meeting. There's also uh, something, uh, you know, that there's a, there's a good expression that, that comes to mind is from Jack Cornfield at some point, uh, where uh, this is now going back in the other direction from, you know, what my answer was, but uh, this can be helpful too. It's, uh, uh, he said, be the, something like, be the first, per volunteer to be the first person in world history to die of restlessness. <laughs> <laughs> And just, just let it like completely eat you up. Uh, this is a good approach too. Uh, but uh, the, pur the purification approach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, yeah, restlessness is a weird thing. Uh, it's funny. You know, uh, it's funny that you can have a little itch, little itch here, and it's going <laughs> ding, 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 no, ding. No, it and then the heart is going ah. I can't spend it. <laughs> we have the whole restless leg syndrome, you know, where yeah. people are, are suffering from, you know, real agitation in their bodies, you know. But uh, it, it's it's maybe a modern commentary on life. But I think um, I think this notion of balance, you know, um, and and choosing to attend to uh, what is pleasant, not only in our sittings but in our lives, is really important, and we miss it. We can miss it if we don't set that intention. Yeah, uh, you know, for especially for a you know a real inquiring mind, it's it's very easy. I, and now I'm remembering a, a metaphor from the from the Buddhist uh, writings from long ago that like catching hold of a of a pleasant uh, sensation is kind of like you're you're flowing downstream and there's a little branch and you try to catch it, but you're flowing by real quick. And, and catching hold of an unpleasant sensation is kind of like going upstream, swimming upstream and catching it. So much easier to catch the unpleasant one, but the pleasant ones kind of slip by. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's not, probably not just our uh, modern, you know, lifestyle. I mean, I'm, I'm an anthropologist in my yeah. real life, so, you know, it, it kind of makes sense that, uh, you know, part of our sort of habit that we're, as beings, we're kind of looking for danger, looking for trouble. Yeah, uh, because, we're wired that way. Yeah, we're wired a little bit that way. So we have to make a little special effort uh, to look into the pleasant. Uh, and uh, especially with restlessness, there's this, uh, uh, especially restlessness that's tied to a, a mind that's not, you know, diluted, that's not, not uh, you know, just not knowing anything that's going on, kind of zoning out. Uh, you know, that 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 kind of that kind of attention can definitely use a balance, uh, uh, a balanced approach. Uh, but you know, other times people can be very, uh, kind of, or us or any of us can be very kind of sloggy and slothy, and and kind of zoning out. And we kind of need to wake up and you know, hey, you know. There's yeah. trouble. Wake it's up, it's there's trouble. Restlessness isn't that. Yeah, it's, yeah. All, the, it's all about the balancing. Right. Uh, but, uh, and so that's, that, yes, that's true on the side of meditation. And then if we can start to get the whiff of this other thing uh, on our side as well, that uh, we, don't, we don't really need to deal with our problems uh, all the time. 
uh, then a lot of times we can just leave them. Uh, there may be an assumption and a belief that's making us, you know, cling and stick onto our problems. And some of them can just be dropped. Uh, and, you know, hopefully that's what we're, what we're in this for, is to, is to come, out of, come out of this funk. Uh, so, great. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, so uh, maybe I'll. I'll uh, so I gotta. This is my first time. Like uh, this red phone button thing doesn't seem very nice to press on. <laughs> so I gotta. I gotta go press on this hanging up button now. So thanks so much for calling. Thank you. Bye, Kelly. Bye, Alan. Okay, now I'm gonna take a. I'll look at the page and see if things are working. Oh, I need my glasses. Okay, I'll be right back. All right. Uh, It's not working on my page. Let's see. Ah, okay. About the video. Are you guys getting the video? Can you press <laughs> Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm putting now. Thanks so much for calling. Okay, there's a little Thank feedback. Thank you. All right, I'm just checking. Bye, Alan. I better stop this. Okay. All right, it seems to be working. And let me go to the chat room and just see what people are saying. Uh, okay, I, I'll just uh, I'll read a, a question off here. This is from DJ. I've just started practicing. I'm only about three weeks in and have used your podcast as a starting point. How do you choose a primary object to focus on when sitting for a session? Okay, that, that's, a, that's a fair question. Uh, to me, it doesn't matter. As long as you're meditating, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, but sometimes we start to get into something. And I would say when you're a beginner, uh, when you're just beginning, that to just follow your impulses. So if you try one meditation, the, the breathing in a certain way, uh, and you really like it, just keep, keep doing that. Keep doing that one. Uh, just doing whatever you really enjoy. Uh, use your enjoyment to guide you. Uh, of course, we're all coming to meditation, you know, to get some benefits, and, and we want to start to learn, um, learn things, learn how to do things, and uh, you know that's that's a great way to start with that with that spirit in mind, and uh, you know the the thing that might be a little bit different here is that uh, a lot of times when you go to a certain kind of meditation place. Uh, or organization, they'll have like a one way to meditate uh, kind of approach. And uh, there's a good reason for that, then everyone could be on the same page. uh, And uh, oftentimes the person who's leading that, that's what they know. So they don't want to, you know, get off into other things and, and, and talk about things that they don't know about. And when they do talk about things that they don't know about, a lot of times they say uh, the wrong things. because they don't really understand. So that's why you see a lot of you know, arguing and stuff going on all the time in the world. 
which is just people, you know, arguing with the ideas that they have in their head about what other people are saying or doing. Uh, so starting out, you know, we're all exposed to a lot of different things. So the best thing that you can do is, is just follow what seems to be uh, calling you. So if it's the breath, you know, follow that. Uh, it, or if it's just the way of looking so that it doesn't matter to you, whether we're, we're doing a body scan meditation or breath med meditation or uh, inquiring, you know, more deeply and more intimately into what's present here, that the whole time you're just looking, looking, discovering, discovering. And in the meantime, you know, doing it, staying with meditation, staying connected with it, uh, that could be just be the thing. You're just, you're just looking, you're just exploring, uh, you know, because it is, you know, there's this whole world out there and then there's this whole, you know, universe in here. We can say, we can put it this way, you know, at the start, there's a whole lot that we haven't really explored before. So there's a whole adventure to explore in there. So if you really want to, you know, kind of switch it up and look here, look there, uh, do different kinds of, of meditations that, that, you know, share this approach of, of, of looking, investigating, inquiring, uh, then do that. Uh, or if it's more on the sort of the peace, tranquility side, then emphasize that. But I, I would use your own, uh, use your own lights uh, to find what's, uh, what's really working for you. Um, if there's a more particular um, version of that question, uh, I'd, I'd be very keen to answer that as well. Uh, so I guess you could, you could type that in uh, if you want, DJ. Thanks for your question. That's a good one. There's also, uh, also what call what uh, to just uh, maybe contradict myself. Uh, you know, another image just came to my mind that someone made about like, you know, if you if you dig dig a few holes over here, dig a few holes over there. If you're digging for water. You're digging all over the place. You never get deep enough to really get the water. So you need to. Uh, this has been a metaphor for a kind of meditation. So you need to kind of settle down, find a spot, and, and dig, dig deep. Um, that's, that's good advice. Uh, but uh, how we kind of define what is that place uh, can be different. So we could have different objects. The breath, the body, our inner mental attitude. We can be switching between all those things. Yet we're still in the same place because we're... We're meditating in a certain way, uh, in, in a way of looking, discovering. So on the one hand, it's not so great to like skip around. Uh, and we could definitely say, you know, what, what, what constitutes skipping around uh, may be hard to characterize, but I could take some easy examples and no offense to anyone, but like if you're like channeling Celestia from the Andromeda galaxy one week and then the next week you're balancing your chakras and the next week you're hyperventilating and you know if, if it's like that then that's probably we could probably all agree that those are like holes you're digging shallow holes all over the place uh, but 
you know, if you're, if you're breathing sensitively one week and feeling body sensations the next week, another week, dwelling in your inner mental attitude, uh, there's a way of attending in those things, to those things that's not, you know, that's not a different whole. You're, you're, you're exploring this mind, body, and your very own being as well. Uh, and uh, because you're, because you, as you really are, are not 12 different things. When you have a sincere interest in really getting to know uh, what you are and what this is, what this life is, uh, you can't, you can't go wrong. And the object doesn't matter. They're just objects coming and going. And uh, you remain. You remain as you are. What you are do doesn't shift, doesn't move. Thanks. Thanks for that question. Maybe uh, get before before uh, questions disappear on the screen. Let me get to the next one. Oh, good. DJ uh, has an answer there too. Okay, I'll, I'll just read uh, Masmai's question quickly, and uh, and definitely get to it, and then go back to DJ here. Alan, could you talk more about the meditations on inner mental attitude? I'm coming from focusing on my breath, and I'm fascinated by this other type of meditation. Okay, great. I think we'll get to that. Okay, let's see. DJ says, I think it might have been in Attention to Attention that you created a burning ember that was the primary object of focus that responded to the breath. And I wondered if it might be beneficial to attach a concept, phrase, or other idea to ruminate on to this ember. Okay, I, I remember what you're talking about. Talking about the breath uh, going in and out, and you know how uh, this is this is for everyone. You know how like if you blow on a ember on a branch, it kind of glows. And uh, probably at this moment in meditation, I was talking about feeling the breath in the nostrils, and then you could kind of the sensations there they can kind of glow if you breathe into them and breathe out of them. And that's just a, a visual image and metaphor uh, to kind of lead the mind and lead the attention into the actual experience of the sensations and make and help us feel them more vividly. We get the idea of how to pay how to pay attention to them. Uh, great questions, DJ. Uh, a lot of times our meditation instructions are like I don't know why this is, but they're like. Uh, feel the breath. If your mind wanders, go back and feel the breath again. You know, and a few more other you know kind words around that. Uh, but you know, pay attention to the breath or feel the breath. That's uh, that can be done in a thousand different ways. Uh, so, so some of these metaphors and images are just just ways to help approach uh, approach the actual sensation, get attention uh, organized. After that, we can let them go. Uh, so, so any of those kinds of guidance is like it's like a, it's like an ember. As you're breathing in, it kind of glows and becomes more intense. And in the middle, between the in breath and out breath, it's a little less intense. And it's pulsating like that. 
that's an image to help us get our attention there. And then after that, we can get rid of the image and just be with the, uh, be with what's happening there, with the with the sensations themselves. So great question. Okay, let's go to uh, Masmaya's question. Uh, talk more about the meditations on inner mental attitude. Uh, these are uh, kind of precious to me uh, because, you know, I think because of the, those kinds of uh, very technique-oriented meditation instructions, which are kind of like, do this, do that, uh, that the attention kind of misses, it's, it's trying to do meditation. So much attention goes into doing meditation and it's missing kind of how we're doing it, like how are we approaching it. And uh, so one of the reasons why I'm constantly pointing to this inner mental attitude is because, uh, you know, how we're actually meditating. What is our attitude in relationship to that? Uh, you know, it's a huge part of, of how to, you know, actually do that kind of practice. On the other hand, uh, just actually knowing our inner mental attitude, just kind of discovering that it's there, can be a kind of a revelation. And although I guess it's common sense and everybody kind of knows that they sort of have a, an inner attitude, we don't uh, pay attention to that very much. We don't notice it very much. And the reason I point to it a lot is because uh, attention goes to what it's used to going to. And it's constantly moving around, checking out this, checking out that, going into thoughts. It's going into the places it kind of knows where to go. It's like a, a like a paperboy. Oh, wait, this is a totally dated reference. Are there paperboys anymore? I don't even know. Anyway, it's like a paperboy on their paper route. And the tension goes around, and it goes visits all the houses that are on its list. And if we bring our attention to our inner mental attitude frequently and often, then that will be one of the places that it visits. And establishing this contact between attention and our inner mental attitude, which really just means bringing uh, how, how we're approaching everything, how we're flavoring everything with our, our, our inner state, a very intimate inner state. Uh, when we when we clue in on that a little bit more, it it starts to become one of the things that attention comes to habitually. And probably what you've noticed, uh, you know, working with it, working with the inner mental attitudes, you notice that the thing it's quite easy to create a a very quick improvement on things. You can see when you look into it that there's little sort of tensions, grippings, and things in the, in the attitude, and you can you can release some of those and, and kind of change the the flavor of things. So if you change your attitude, you change your life. But of course, we can't uh, sit there watching our inner mental attitude all the time. I think it's fine to try to you know to try that, but we can't we can't do it. Uh, but it's fine to try, it's certainly fine to keep the attention there, coming back there for the reason I just mentioned. Uh, that's great. Uh, 
but we can't keep you know our finger on our mental in our mental attitude all the time so it's just a it's just a way of inclining the attention and as attention starts to become more and more familiar with it it will naturally gravitate over there and when it starts to gradually no gravitate over there it'll start noticing you know these cycles of agitation cycles of mood uh, and things, they'll start catching that sooner. They'll start catching that. But, that something's a little off here. And it'll start to also develop a distaste. Uh, and uh, this is one of, suddenly it's coming up now, but this is one of the challenges for people, uh, you know, embarking in, in this way. You know, if you're really serious, uh, you know, some people start to become really kind of unbearably annoying. <laughs> Because your, your, your attention is kind of in another sort of subtle frequency level and, and some people might be a little kind of annoying and they're talking about other people and saying bad things or they're just interested in all these things that aren't interesting anymore. So, uh, you know, one of the things that happens uh, as you bring attention back repeatedly to your inner mental attitude is that you just start to develop a taste for happiness, a taste for peace. Uh, a taste for love and for being with uh, with other people uh, that inspire that and uh, so you know that's not uh, it's not a, a change that we can kind of like hit push a button or click the right gear and kind of make happen uh, but it's one that that definitely opens up and evolves and and bringing our attention uh, and this brings up, uh, what maybe I'll, I'll stop here, but this brings up another reason, yet another reason why I keep pointing to the inner mental attitude is because it's close, it's very near. And uh, bringing your attention to somewhere that feels uh, intimate, close, is oh, it's a very, very good thing to do because uh, there's only one more uh, step you know, after that. You can call it a step which is just uh, closer than close, as they say. It's just, it's just you. So that's a, a great reason to bring the attention to the inner mental attitude. So thanks. Thanks for your call. Uh, let me, uh, for your message, let me get Go on here, let's see. Okay, Matsumaya says, I think I understand better now. It's not generating an attitude, it's seeing it. Uh, lovely explanation, thank you. Uh, yes, ultimately it's, it's seeing it. And even closer than it. Even closer than the inner mental attitude. Because you, you can perceive your inner mental attitude so what are you, who are you, that sees your inner mental attitude? Inner mental attitude comes, goes in front of you. You remain, you're even closer than, you are closer than close, you're, you're as you are. That being said, uh, when we're meditating, it can be both. It can be both shifting and uh, generating an attitude that's playing with this world, this, this body and mind, this world of form. 
Uh, it can be both. It can be playing with it, and it can be uh, seeing it. It can be both. And the playing with it oftentimes brings us a little bit closer to the, to the seeing it, and even to seeing ourselves. Uh, so it can be both. Great. Okay. KB Martineau. Oh, okay. I think I know who you are. <laughs> I think we know each other. Uh, one of the ways I maintain my practice is by listening to Buddhist media, Dharma talks, etc. But right now I'm in a phase where most of the positive vibe talk about the positive aspects of spiritual practice makes my skin itch. Sometimes it makes me angry. I feel like it's blind and politically insular for Americans to talk about peace. I guess I'm wondering, is this likely to be a phase, or am I just developing stronger preferences? How can a novice cope with such strong judgments? Okay. Uh, so there's a couple things here. For, one is the sort of opinions coming up, and the other is the question of, you know, what do I do, where am I at, and things like that with all this. Okay. So I can't comment on the, the Buddhist media that you're exposed to because I don't know, you know what they're saying. Uh, and uh, in general, you know, it's a little bit, this is a little bit of a, a weird thing. We all have to feel our way through this. In general, you know, if something's making your skin itch, you probably, you know, should stay away from it. <laughs> You know, and go and go to what you know what's not rubbing you the wrong way. There are a lot of things. The reason I say that is because there's just a lot of things out there. And first of all, you don't have to settle for what rubs you the wrong way. And also, uh, there might be you know something to it, and it might not even be in the actual words that we might be reacting to. It might be something deeper that we we can't really even express or know, but we just kind of know. Uh, that we don't want to be there. Uh, but on the other hand, I also recognize, uh, oh, we got a call coming in. Uh, let, me, let me just say this for a second. Hi, Jorge. Uh, I forgot to tell everyone that uh, we're on like a minute delay here. So uh, you might not realize that I'm actually talking to somebody right now. So you want to hold on the line? Uh, and I'll get to you in a second. Okay, so I'll uh, maybe Hori could just stay there, and uh, yeah, I'll finish. So uh, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah. On the other hand, you know when we're when we're actually practicing, it's gonna stir things up. People who are not practicing are just gonna, you know, they're not really. I mean, they're not really looking into things. You know, nothing's coming loose. Because they're not really, it's not sincere. So when we're sincere, uh, things are going to start rubbing us the wrong way. And sometimes it, it, it would be better to, you know, to move through that, to pass through that. Uh, that it's, you know, not such a great thing that, it's, you know, to go, you know, get interested in this one thing. And then they say one thing that, that, that you don't agree with. And then so you're like, okay, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to the next one, next one, and so forth like that. So, it, you know, there's both sides of that. Uh, 
thing to, to sort of deal with. Uh, but, uh, you know, best, best of all is to have that kind of dialectic, like, what do I do? Uh, should I endure things that are annoying me? Because, you know, maybe, you know, not everything about what I think or believe is right or coming from the right place, or do I avoid, you know, these things that are bugging me? Uh, you know, much better if, and I realize this, that this is an if, uh, much better if you just feel inexplicably drawn to something. Uh, far better if just something seems to resonate and feel right to you. Uh, and I realize that if that's not, you know, there, quite there yet, uh, we're not, we're not really kind of looking for that yet. Uh, then, then you have to negotiate this thing. But then when you find what's right, what feels right, what you resonate with, then you can, you can leave all that behind. And, uh, and yeah, in that sense, not in terms of the particular things that you said, but yes, there is a kind of a phase where we're kind of casting about, searching about, looking about, and we haven't really found you know, a resting place, an approach, or something that we can, we can be with that really connects with us. So that's on that side of the question. And then I'll just very quickly answer the other side of the question, uh, which is not, don't, don't connect this up with the particular things that you are listening to or heard to or exposed to, because I don't know, I don't know if they are, but, but in general, um, the, the value of finding uh, our peace and coming out of confusion, coming out of suffering. The value of that is vastly underestimated. It seems very important, it seemed very important to Napoleon to conquer Europe, and it seemed like he was getting stuff done, and he was doing stuff, and the people fighting for Napoleon were doing stuff. But, you know, who knows? I know you, Kate, you're an educated person. You've heard of Napoleon. Uh, I've heard of Napoleon. I'm a college professor. But uh, who's going to remember Napoleon in 200 years? Less people than now, for sure, you know. What difference did Napoleon make? Now I realize I'm just equating Napoleon with your politically, you know, sound and valuable things, but, uh, you know, that kind of action on the world, like I'm doing stuff to change the world, uh, nobody can keep that up for very long without finding this other side of things, finding some peace, uh, coming closer, uh, to who and what they really are. Um, the actions that we do in the world, they'll never be satisfying the political campaigns we wage and the things that we do, they'll never be satisfying. Uh, so we can't find our satisfaction in them. It doesn't mean not to do them. And it certainly doesn't mean not to follow the call. I was just talking before about resonating. It's certainly not about not following the call. Uh, that seems to resonate in the heart, but to expect, you know, which, you know, is kind of in the minds of people that it's going to work out and the you know, change is going to happen and things like that. 
that that kind of motivation that gets, you know, you might put it out there to other people to get them riled up and get them, you know, to attend the protests or attend or vote or whatever it is. Yeah, you do that, but, uh, but that can't be the primary motivation for someone that's really, really, you know, working genuinely in the world. Uh, they need to be a little bit more centered, a little more grounded, and uh, to be able to sustain that kind of action, because this political action leads to disappointment. <laughs> you know, uh, that's what it leads to. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. It just means that uh, to be mature in that, uh, we have to we have to see things from a different perspective, and very much. Mm, these things that I'm pointing to are very much, you know, pointing in this direction. I, I trust very much in the importance of this. Uh, so, there's a couple, couple answers here. Okay, so we have Jorge on the line. Can you hear me? Yes, Alan. Can you hear us? Uh, yes, I can. It's actually Maka and four other fellow meditators here in Barcelona. Oh, great. Hi, Barcelona. I've heard a lot about you guys. <laughs> so, yeah, you actually just answered one of our questions, but um, we had another one, and it was related to, basically, we're all academics, we're trying to be academics, and um, we constantly feel that there's this pressure to build up our CVs, like our resumes, of saying all the things that we have done or should have done and we're constantly competing with others and yet in meditation we're learning that we're if we're doing that we're focusing on our ego and so how do we detach from that constant idea of building something that we're actually not does that make any sense yeah uh let me give you a quick metaphor for that and then then you guys you know come back with another uh, with a response. Um, but uh, I don't know if everybody's had this experience. I, I, I certainly have. A lot of people younger than me have had the experience of what I call uh, online suffering. <laughs> so uh, once uh, I had a, an injury in the body and I was on a forum for other people that had this injury and it was, you know, long-lasting and very annoying injury and we bonded and we talked and things like that and you know I was a certain you know persona I was Alan Kay on this uh, forum and then somehow things went wrong went sour and everyone was kind of saying horrible things about me and uh, and this and that and there was all this conflict and uh, you know I just felt awful felt awful uh, and uh, I'm sure some of you have been involved and in, I don't know what it is that you might be doing, you might be playing Call of Duty and your, uh, you know, Commando 314 and all of a sudden, you know, all the other people that are shooting things up in your online game world, suddenly they all pounce on you and talk about how, what a bad person you are, Commando 314 and, and all these things. Uh, and you feel awful, awful. You were happy and you were bonding with these people and, you know, that you were shooting up the world with in command in uh, Call of Duty online gaming and you know now it's just misery and uh, you know anyone in one of those kinds of situations or it could be some kind of Facebook thing or something anyone who's been in one of those kind of situations has kind of noticed this weird 
feeling like you'd be in the real world, what we call the real world, with real people, and you're thinking about this place, and it hurts, and you're in pain, but then you know you're here, and then you're there, and then you're here, and then you're there, and you're here, and then you start to see that that world, you know, it's not real. It's not really you. You're not really Commando 314. And, uh, you know, some people may decide, I'm never going back to Call of Duty. In fact, I, I can't, the, the thought of the exploding bodies that I used to love so much, it's just not doing, I just don't feel anything for that anymore. I can't go back. But others may go back and become Commando 314 again, but now they know that I'm not Commando 314. And then they're shooting it up and they're playing with people and they're having fun because they are and they aren't Commando 314. And you, you are and you are not your CV. And uh, this is uh, for, I'm also academic, uh, so I know how this is, is that you have a public persona and you have a public kind of career and lots of other people can identify with this in other kinds of situations. Uh, you are and you are not uh, that one. And uh, the advice that I have for you guys is to play as these things, to play as, uh, as Maka CV and attain these things. Uh, if, 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 if you like, but be careful to about, uh, you know, very, ba I, I'm sure you realize this, but I'll just bring it up anyway, but be careful too about little things like, like for, for instance, I'm kind of lazy, I don't know, I don't know, I work all the time, but I really am sort of lazy actually, but, uh, you know, it would be very easy for me to say, I don't feel like doing this because I'm being spiritual or something more. That would just be the ego, but it's not really because it's the ego, because I really just don't want to do it. <laughs> So, uh, you know, so watch out for that too. Watch out for some other kind of impulse, like you just don't want to do it coming in as the ego thing. Uh, but, uh, but that's not the whole thing. I totally get it. I, I totally get it. Um, it's also kind of a question of, of trust. So uh, depending on how, how deeply you really want to connect with your happiness, uh, it may be that your interest, this, I'm just speaking hypothetically, I don't mean you, Mahna, but it may, it may be that your interest is so uh, kind of, so superficial and so based on like, what does everybody think of me? What, what kind of a great, you know, academic or whatever it is, what kind of a great lawyer am I? What are people's opinion of me? That uh, when you kind of come out of an interest in all those kinds of things, all those kinds of judgments, like you don't really care what anybody thinks, if that was your sole motivation, it might be that you're unable to proceed because you no longer have that. And that was your main motivation. For many, I've noticed, in, in, at least in, in my field of being a, an academic, for many, all these kinds of, what do people think of me, and things like that, that that actually is, is overblown and actually hurts and impedes our, our progress. 
but it might be the case that sometime one might come to a total lack of interest in those kinds of questions, other people's opinions of me. And then you may find if your work is directly tied to that, like that's your main motivation, uh, you, may, you may lose that motivation. That is definitely a possibility. Uh, but, uh, but you won't be saying, oh, I wish I could go back to that. If that's true, you won't be saying, oh, I wish I could go back. You'll be, it's just that you're just, just happier. Um, but if you have other kinds of things, like kind of political interests, or just kind of a love of writing, or, or thinking things through with people, playing with ideas, any kinds of things like this, those are not likely to go away uh, by kind of getting the, the sort of ego personality thing, uh, persona things out of the way. Those, those might not go away. And in fact, they might actually flourish. Um, so uh, there's, no, there's no predicting uh, what will happen. But that's, uh, that's my prognosis of that. <laughs> no prognosis. How does that sound? Are you doing some translating over there? No, it's okay. Okay, good. This is this is Jorge. Hi. Hi, Jorge. Uh, how you doing? Oh, Actually, very good. I was talking to Mac about it, and and I think ever since I don't care or I just have no interest in my CV, things got better, a lot better for me. Uh, I mean, in my experience. I think not having that so much, I don't know how to call it, like weight on the profession, career is better. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably the case mostly for your kind of career. Some people's careers might be different. You might really need that kind of motivation. But uh, in your kind of career, uh, there's, it's just, there's just too much, too much criticism, too much evaluation, too much judgment all the time. And uh, actually, you don't really need, you don't need any of that at all. Uh, it's, it just gets in the way. Yeah. So aside from that, aside from that sort of thing, what's coming up? How about right now? To me? Yes. Oh, I forgot to disconnect my phone. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> from someone trying to trick me. I can lower my interest rates. Oh, wow. How exciting. Okay. What were you going to say for me? I know I have nothing. I mean, I, I don't... I talk to you about it, like I don't have questions about meditation. This is like the most important thing in my life at the moment. Uh, Every time I got involved in, you know, situations or worries, I just go back to, you know, my happy place, to me, inquiry, 
So I, I don't know. I think things working for me really well so far. <laughs> Good. Good. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Gracias, Adam. Nada. Gracias. Gracias. That's how much I've learned in the last 10 years in California. That's, that's, that's bad. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's see. Steve, uh, can you talk about carrying your practice into the other parts of your life? Uh, maintaining peace and tranquility outside of meditation. If someone has a stressful job, can they stay tranquil during difficult moments and not react negatively with anger or self-pity, for example? Yeah, you, you can, uh, but uh, We're, we're still living, breathing beings uh, with emotions and feelings. And, uh, you know, things, things are going to happen. And uh, sometimes, you know, when we're, when we're really connected, you know, like if, we, if we're kind of meditating semi-regularly, you know, a few days a week and maybe listening to things, or we're, if we're just kind of in a a t time in life when we're really kind of investigating life uh, and also have a job and are doing these other things, but it's on the mind. It's one of the things that we're looking into. Uh, then we can, we can look into our emotions. Uh, we can practice with our emotions and our feelings and we can be practicing meditation as we go about in life. Uh, what we can't do is keep our finger on that button constantly. Uh, and the reason is because meditation, in the sense that you're asking there, meditation is a doing, and it requires a doer. And so it kind of requires like a kind of a, a, a me here who's going to be doing meditation in, on the cushion or in everyday life. And that, that me is temporary. It only arises sometimes, the me who can make decisions and choices and do stuff only arises sometimes. Uh, as we all know, when we, you know, vow, I will never, or from now on I will, you know, we can vow that, but uh, the one that vows that is gonna go away, and then another decider will arise and fall away, another decider will arise and fall away, and so we can't really ensure what any of those future deciders are gonna do. Uh, so we can't maintain a steady mindfulness throughout the day, if we mean by mindfulness, like paying attention, working with our uh, emotions, working with what's coming up. Uh, we, can't, uh, we can't keep that up constantly. But we can play with it, we can work with it, and that's what's great about meditation. And uh, maybe we could talk more specifically about what, what one can do uh, to play with meditation in, in everyday life. But there's another side to this in that as you come more deeply into 
the piece that's here already. And even as you, you know, play with meditation more and more, uh, you'll find that these emotions and, and things that they naturally, they naturally start to subside. And the things that kind of set us off also naturally subside. And that's, that's real freedom. And we all know what this real freedom is. Real freedom doesn't, we don't have to, we don't have to make ourselves free from suffering. When I was a kid, if I got the wrong color lollipop, I wanted the green one and I got the red one, I, you know, that was awful. That was horrible. But then there came a time in life when I somehow transcended that and now, maybe there might be a little blip <laughs> about the green lollipop, but you know, it'll just blip and it'll be gone. Because I am declaring this now, live on TV. I am free from lollipop suffering. And uh, I'm so free that I, there's nothing that I have to do. I don't have to take a deep breath. I don't have to do anything. Lollipop colors come and go, and I'm free. And you are too. Uh, we all know this freedom, real freedom, which is that the things that bothered us before just don't anymore. So some of these situations that are causing these things are just not going to arise after a while because they just don't matter. It's almost like they haven't happened at all. So that is a freedom that you don't have to do. You are free. In fact, there's something about you right now that's, that's like that, about everything. These other things, these other explosions of emotions and things, they, they're, they're very distracting, they're very interesting. They distract us from you know, our basic all-rightness and okayness with things. So yeah, we can we can work, uh, we can work with this stuff, and when we do play with this stuff, we'll notice that you know sometimes we can play with it in ways that feel successful, and other times, our attention to the problem just kind of goes to the the first very first question for today. Sometimes our attention to the problem will actually supply it with more energy. So sometimes playing with our emotions, uh, with, by which I mean kind of being mindful of our emotions, meditating in life you know, with our emotions, sometimes that can actually, that can actually get worse because we're just supplying, to, we're supplying energy to them. Uh, so so far better, uh, far better to start to recognize in uh, at times that are easy and times that are slightly hard, start to recognize our basic all rightness. You know that part of us that's. Uh, not really affected by what happened last week. Last week, you know, I, I'm sure for you, as for me, something happened that got, that created a stirring in this body and mind over here. Uh, I don't even know what it is, I can't even remember. Uh, you know, there was something, but it's come and gone and there's no trace of it left anywhere. There was probably a bully picking 
pulling my ear when I was seven that I can't find any trace of it anymore, anywhere. It's come and gone. All these things are coming and going. Recognizing that is, uh, is the, real, the real peace in life because uh, you, can, you can know that even while the agitation is happening, even while emotions are happening or not happening, it's still true. This basic okayness is still, still here. So uh, we can we can also talk about about how to how to play with emotions, and I'll just you know quickly give an example. Um, you, we can play with uh, things that we know we're gonna be okay with, like uh, let's say the sun is uh, shining a little bit too brightly on the side of our head, and we can play with our sense of discomfort with that and be okay. Or you know somebody we're waiting in line in the ATM. And, uh, we're next, and the person in front of us got their money, they should move along, but they're counting the money right there, when they could just move along, get out of the way, and we're annoyed. You know, we can, we can play with those, we can just feel, what does that really feel like? What does this emotion feel like? What does this emotion feel like? Play with these little ones, get skillful. And if we're not in a, you know, a very, uh, if we're not moderately uh, depressed or something like that, we can, we can pretty much play that way, experiment with any emotion. Uh, I would just put the caution on uh, like feeling really depressed and giving a lot of attention to that. Uh, that's not recommended. So uh, it's a great topic though, you know, what to do meditating in, in everyday life. Uh, a lot of things that we could talk about in particular about that as well. So thanks for that question. So don't, don't underestimate uh, with just a few moments, just a few moments of uh, meeting what's arising, what that, what that can do. A lot of times we can't help but think about meditation as like a, a program that we're going to do uh, in the future that will get us somewhere. And that, that's fine, that's a great way to you know, get oriented in life. And we might get the idea that it's uh, you know, really important to face up to the emotions that are arising in us, uh, really embrace them. And if I, if I can really be present and open to them, you know, even the unpleasant ones, pleasant moments, uh, you know, I'll be able to work with that and, and then get to a peace uh, on the other side of that. And, uh, you know, what we'll find is that uh, sometimes that sounds like a great idea and a great theory and it makes a lot of sense, but the kind of problem is, is that when, when things kind of suck, when things are bad, when the emotions are, are strong, uh, you know, it, all that kind of goes out the window. But we might have like these little openings, especially if we're practicing meditation, especially if we're continuing to look, we might have these little openings where in the midst of a kind of a chaos, we'll, we'll suddenly come to ourselves. We'll wake up in the middle of it. 
then we might develop the thought or the choice like, I'm going to feel this, I'm going to attend to this. And then we do it for a little while. Later, when we come out of the, the funk, come out of what's happening, uh, we'll look, we can look back on that moment and say, oh, that was so little. I was like upset for like three days and like for two seconds on five occasions. Well, the five was probably more. Two seconds on three occasions. I was kind of mindful of that. So, you know, well, how, how can these little moments tussle with and, and overcome these other, you know, long, deep habits and conditioning states that we go through? Let's just leave that as, a, as an open question. Don't assume the answer to that. Don't assume that we know what one moment, what moment it means, what the, what the power of that is. Very good question there at the end. Uh, one thing that I could say is, is meet, meet those emotions for just one moment. Or come, come to that part of you that's quite okay for just one moment. Don't doubt. Don't listen to the mind saying, oh, how can this one moment fend with all the other things? We don't know. That one moment is a mystery. I don't know either. But it's... Uh, Awesome. That's what I can say about what I know about that. It's awesome. So, uh, thanks everyone for joining me. I'm seeing an, an error message over on my other computer. I hope uh, everything's okay. In any case, uh, it's really great uh, meeting in this way. Uh, hopefully, in, in the future, uh, I'll give you some announcements on when we can talk some more. And uh, yeah, hopefully, we can get uh, some more people hooked up on, on Skype. If I think it worked, I'll, I'll play the play later. Uh, and I think that this will talk will be available later as well. So, uh, Thanks so much uh, for being here with me this way. I really look forward to the next time. And, uh, so, thanks so much. Uh, I'll see you all. Bye bye.